blessed here at Central uh, with such a wonderful treasure trove of people that God has blessed with such musical talents, uh, getting everybody plugged in and all the opportunities uh, filled out on schedules. I'm sure that, is, that takes a lot of work because we have a lot of talent here. And I want to encourage you, be sure you get by. I know it's easy to take it for granted. Uh, be sure you get by these folks uh, that play, these folks that organize and sing in the choir. Let them know how much of a blessing they are, amen, because after the music, it's downhill from there, right? First Chronicles chapter number 28. I set you up on that. First Chronicles chapter 28, and I'm going to share a thought with you tonight. I want to encourage you a little bit here on a Sunday night, and uh, good to have you back. Once again, thank you to everybody uh, that uh, came out yesterday. It was such a blessing. Uh, probably one of the biggest blessings was I, had, I didn't have to have my hands on it. Uh, I appreciate all of the work that went into organizing the outreach there at the Hot Air Balloon Festival. And uh, I was talking with AJ, asking who all was volunteering, who all was being there, and if they needed help. He says, no, there were no open spots uh, for folks that were there manning the station for Central. And uh, what a blessing it is that we have the opportunity not only to introduce people to Christ uh, through giving out our gospel tracts, but also to introduce them to Central. Uh, one thing I have been a little bit surprised at as I'm out and about and knocking doors and inviting people to church at gas stations is... There are a lot of people in Hattiesburg that don't know where we're at. Uh, and to be honest with you, I think they need to know where we're at. And uh, what a blessing it is that we get to not only share Christ with them, but what a wonderful church we have to welcome people to. And thank you for all those that came out. As a matter of fact, I don't normally do this. If you were there yesterday, uh, manning one of the tables, passing out tracks at the Hot Air Balloon Festival, stand up right quick. I want to recognize you right quick. Real quick. Stand up. You were there. Is there anybody that was here? All right, go ahead. Stand up. Look around. Appreciate all of these folks. Let's give them a round of applause. Just letting them know how much we appreciate them being there. Our young people appreciate you. You can be seated. Thank you for going out and doing that. And I think over a thousand tracks and several Bibles were handed out yesterday. And it's just a blessing. That gospel track, never forget, it's kind of like a spiritual landmine, okay? Uh, the Word of God is there. It's quick and powerful. May just look like a piece of cardboard. Uh, but boy, the Holy Spirit stirs somebody heart to, uh, somebody's heart to pick that up and to read it. And you never know what God may do uh, in inviting folks not just to church but coming to know Christ. So thank you for being there yesterday uh, with that. And I believe yesterday also opened the door for opportunities at other events here in Hattiesburg. Also, let me say right quick before we read, I appreciate all the prayers and concern for my parents. Uh, they're holding their own right now. Obviously, mom with, uh, with uh, the autoimmune diseases. Uh, right now, COVID is, is knocking them for a loop. Uh, so you pray for her, pray for mom, pray for dad. Uh, he is kind of being nursed to both mom and my grandfather, who is now has the bug, uh, having a little bit of fever, sore throat, headaches, things along that line. So you pray for them, that God would continue to raise them up and strengthen them. Uh, pray for my dad as he plays nurse as well, okay? First uh, Chronicles chapter 28, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand. And uh, I'll give you the context tonight. There's a lot to read, so we will not go through all of that. Uh, mainly going to key in on verse number 9. This is David uh, really closing out his reign, introducing his son officially uh, and commissioning his son to what God has told him he will do in the building of the temple. Uh, wonderful, wonderful account here. And then some really good parting words that David is giving his son and that David is giving the nation before he uh, exits off the stage of his reign and his service to God. And there's something tonight I believe God would have us to learn from this uh, that should challenge us, and I hope it does just that. First uh, Chronicles chapter 28, look down if you will, uh, to verse number 9. We're really just going to focus in on tonight on David's words to Solomon and the counsel that he gives him, and oh my goodness, there is a treasure trove here.
here uh, that we will try to make our way through in the message. Verse 9, the Bible says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. There is a lot to unravel there. So let's pray. Let's ask for the Lord's help. uh, And then let's jump into it. Father, I do thank you, Lord, for the great day we've had. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us this morning. Thank you for the great spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the great music tonight and how what a blessing that is. Lord, I pray you'd help us now as we open up your word. Lord, there's so much here, and Lord, I pray you'd help us to make it clear in the time that we have. I pray that, Lord, we'd be open, Lord, open-hearted and open-minded to it, to receive your word tonight, and then we'd be open to be changed by it. Pray that when we leave here tonight, we'll leave here a little bit more like Christ and walking a little bit closer to him, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I was reading through chapter 28 recently, uh, and reading about all that David is preparing the nation and, and Solomon for, I thought to myself what wonderful counsel he's giving them as he prepares them not just for his departure, but Solomon's arrival, and then obviously the building of the temple that is there. Now, when you get home, not during church, but when you get home, read the rest of chapter 28, and you'll find that David really begins to give them the blueprints for the temple down to very specific details of all that he would do. And obviously, that's an important thing. I mean, if you want to get something right, get the temple right, right? Uh, I think that is both figurative uh, and literal, all right? So as David prepares to do this and Solomon prepares to give him that, he gives them something in verse 9 prior to giving them the plans for the temple. Now, this is important. David is admonishing Solomon on matters of the heart that are going to govern how Solomon governs, uh, governs and also how he goes about leading them in the building of the temple. I thought about that. Verse 9 is, is one of those verses I stubbed my toe on, and the Lord says, no, 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 don't run through that. Go back. There's some good stuff there that you need in your life, and I believe there's some good stuff we need as a, as a church and that we need as families. Uh, growing up, I used to hear preachers all the time, whether in person or some of the cassette tapes that my dad would listen to. My dad had all of these old cassette tapes of John R. Rice and Tom Malone, and we'd listen to them on the way to work, on the way back, and there are certain sermons I used to have near about memorized. Uh, For those of you maybe who have a mom or a dad who like to listen to preaching, Leslie loves listening to preaching. In the morning when I get up, she's listening to preaching. Uh, She'll be cleaning around the house. She's listening to preaching. And uh, sometimes I'm just like, all right, I've had enough. I've had enough, you know. She's giving me a dose of my own medicine is what she's doing. And and she lets it go long, too. So I really get a dose of my own medicine. But I remember my dad and all those cassettes. There was one phrase I heard preachers say all the time. The main thing is keeping the main thing, the main thing. How many of you have heard that? The main thing is keeping the main thing, the main thing. And I remember hearing that so many times after a while, like somebody please explain to me what the main thing is, because it seems like every preacher talks about keeping the main thing, the main thing. I believe that's what Solomon is being told by his father here. All right, before he goes into the blueprints of the temple and the detail of the furnishings of the temple, David helps him in verse number nine to keep the main thing, the main thing. These are vital. Why? Because the main things govern all the other things. Okay? It's important you have the main things nailed down. 
If you have the main things nailed down, well, those things that aren't the main things but are still things that we have to deal with, those things will eventually fall into place. And so tonight, I want to look at this very simple truth of things that David was trying to get settled in the heart of his son, all right? Uh, I think it's important. This is not just a parental marriage uh, uh, message, okay? This is a message that you need as a child of God because these things have got to be settled in your mind as well. Why? The things that David told Solomon are the things that are also going to govern the rest of our life, our homes, how we raise our children, and how we live our Christian life. So tonight we're going to look at the very simple thought of staying mindful of the main things. Staying mindful of the main things. Now, these are practical principles, okay? Uh, I have never been a very flowerly preacher. I try to just be as practical as we can. That's the kind of person I am. I'm very practical. And I want you to know these are not just themes for your life. These are things you can apply on a daily basis. Now, you're going to work. We're going to look at four things. You're going to work to apply all four of these things all throughout the rest of your life, and you're constantly going to strive at doing and living these things out in the rest of your life. But these are things also you can apply on a daily basis, even in how you build your home. So let's look at them if we could. The first is the most important. Look what he tells them in verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. He couldn't have put it more plain, could he? He could have been eloquent. He could have alliterated it, but no. He keeps it very simple. The first thing tonight that David is passing to his son as a main thing that he needs to be mindful of, number one, this is very simple stuff tonight. It's not alliterated. Get to know God. Get to know God. If there's anything that I would encourage every person in this room tonight to do, As you seek to live life, number one, get to know God. Now, if you're lost, look, can I tell you what your advice is tonight? Get to know God. If you're saved, can I tell you what you need to do tonight? Get to know God. You're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I've been in this church all of my life. I've heard great men of God. I've heard great teaching in Sunday school. I know God. But can I tell you, I believe tonight, as in the Word of God we preached about this morning, That oftentimes we don't know God as good as we think we know God. He said, well, how do you know that? Well, if there was anybody I think would know God, it was Solomon. His dad was David. His dad was David. Now, I want you to think about conversations between Solomon and David. Think about it. I mean, Dad, could you tell me about Goliath again? Well, that would have been amazing. Hey, could you recount that for me? Could you tell me about the battles that God delivered you from? Could you tell me how God kept his hand upon you, how God supplied your needs, and on and on and on. I believe Solomon knew something about God, but here's what David is saying. David says, watch the wording here. This is amazing. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. All right, up until now, David had, or Solomon has gotten to know God through David. All right? Uh, I'm sure David has shared a wealth of wisdom to Solomon about his relationship and what he knows of God. But can I tell you what Solomon is being told by his dad right here? Now it's time for you to do it personally. Personally. You know, secondhand stories from God are great. It's great to hear about what God is doing. But there's nothing like getting to know God for yourself. I've told our young people so many times, while they're teenagers, listen, start figuring out what you believe now. 
Start figuring out what you believe now. I tell young people, before you ever think about going into a relationship, you ought to sit down with a notebook and put at the very top of it, I believe. And then you write down what you believe. And then you don't compromise that for anybody. And you got to do that before the relationship because if you wait until after the relationship, you're going to write what they believe because you like them. That's how it works, right? All right? You need to get to know God. I'm not speaking to our young people. You need to get to know God for yourself in a personal relationship. I believe tonight the reason that our fellowship to Christ is not as close as it should be is because our relationship to Christ is not what it, as close as it should be. The closer you get to God in your relationship with him, that personal walk with God that we all should have, the closer you're going to get in your fellowship of him. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, it becomes personal to you. That this is not just the God that dad's told you about and mom or your Sunday school teacher or your preacher has told you about. This is the God that you know personally. Can I tell you, I don't know there's a better main thing for the lost or the saved tonight than simply getting to know God. You'd be amazed at what you'd do for him if you got to know him better. To know him is to love him, and to love him is to serve him. And we don't serve him because we don't like him or love him like we should, and it's because we simply have got, not got to know him like we should. How do we do that? Well, we got to spend time with him. we got to spend time with him. You know, the more that I spent time getting to know my wife, the more I came to love my wife. Some of you, when I first met you, I wasn't sure about you. I'm just being honest, Okay. You know, some of you don't always look like the happiest people. Look, I don't either. John Lapone sent me a picture of my face sitting up on the platform a few minutes ago. He loves doing that to me. He told me I look like a member of the Russian mafia sitting up here. I kind of think that's cool, to be honest with you, because I've never been thought of as a tough guy, and I think Russian mafia guys have got to be tough to work for that wacko over there. Kind of like me sometimes. Sometimes our face doesn't always describe how we feel, does it? I mean, sometimes our face just looks like we got the molly grubs, but on the inside, we still got the joy of the Lord. And some of you I wasn't quite sure about. And maybe could it be that I possibly even judge some of you the wrong way? And then I get to know you. I tell my wife, they're not that bad. And then I get to know you a little bit better, and I'm realizing, help me, but I think I may like those people. And then next thing you know, honey, could we invite them over to supper? And she's like, are you sure? No, she doesn't say that. But she doesn't know him like I know him. But boy, when you get to know him the way that I know him and others know him, oh, can I tell you something? To know him is to love him. And to love him is to serve him. David says, son, could I, could I tell you something as I get ready? I mean, you look over. I mean, I believe it's chapter number 29. You look over. Uh, look down at verse number 28. The Bible says, and he died. And he died. David didn't have long. David didn't have long. Mom and Dad, look, we don't know how much time we have with our kids. Could we follow David's example and make sure that our kids know how important it is that they simply get to know God? They simply get to know God. Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Christ was asked by the lawyer what the greatest commandment was. What did he say? He says... Number one, it's to love God, to love God. Hey, you get that one taken care of with all of your heart, soul, and strength. Love God, love God. 
Can I tell you, you're not going to love him the way you should love him until you know him the way you should know him. You got to spend some time with him. You got to be willing to get close to him. Now, folks, what's amazing is he went on in Luke chapter 10 to say, when after he says to love our neighbor, he says, on these hang all the law and the prophets. Do you know what he was saying? Hey, learning to love God is one of the main things. It's one of the main things. And when you get that one and you learn to love your neighbor, it's amazing all of the other things will fall into place. When you love God the way you're supposed to love God, you'll serve God the way you're supposed to serve God. You love your neighbor the way you're supposed to love your neighbor. You'll serve your neighbor the way you're supposed to serve your neighbor. Everything will fall into place. You won't hold grudges. You won't walk around being bitter toward them. Why? Because you love them the way you're supposed to love them. That's why Christ says, on these hang everything. Get those right first. And can I tell you tonight, I believe even though we live in the Bible Belt, we all, we're part of that 87% who have a Bible in our home. We come to a good church and we try to live right. I think sometimes we miss some of the most important but main things, and that's simply getting to know God. Prime example is Philippians chapter 3. Here's Paul speaking. Would you say Paul knew God? I would say so. He met him personally. He had a conversation with the Lord personally. And yet Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, he says, that I may know him. That I may know him. You know, it wasn't that he didn't know him. He wanted to know him better. He wanted to know him better. He wanted to be closer to him. Now, folks, this is the main thing. In the morning, you know what your resolution ought to be? This is our life, but it also is how we should start each day. I want to get to know him. I want to get to know him. I have a bad habit, and I'll be honest with you. There are times to where you start thinking, I'll be laying in bed before I ever get out of bed in the morning. I'll be laying there. My brain is already going. My neighbor's dog has barked and woken me up, and I'm sitting there trying to be spiritual, not wanting to do something to the dog, to be totally honest with you. And so since I'm awake, I'm laying there thinking about all that I need to do over the course of the day, and after a while, my heart begins racing. All right, I got to go. You hop up, and you get up, and you get dressed, and there's a tendency to want to walk out the door without spending time with God. Can I tell you, getting to know God and spending time with God is a main thing. You've got to have that. There have been days where I've sat in my office and didn't know the problem that was about to walk through or the need that was about to walk through. And oh, sometimes they are great. And I was so thankful I had spent time getting to know God a little bit better that morning. Thinking, how, how hogtied would I have been to try to minister to someone when I didn't even spend time getting to know God? David says, Solomon, Solomon, look, the temple, yeah, that's very important. There's a lot of details, a lot of things you're going to work on. But most importantly, don't forget, what does he say in verse number nine? He says, and thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. Spend time with them, get close to him. Notice the second thing. We'll keep it very simple tonight. Know thou the God of thy father, and then the Bible says, and serve him, and serve him. Number two tonight, number one, we get to know God. Number two, we serve, notice what he says here, and serve him with a perfect heart. Number two, one of the main things we must learn and we must always strive to live out in our Christian life is to serve from the heart. Serve from the heart. Now, I have spoke at length about the heart thinking about the heart, talking about the heart, what the Bible says. The Bible says to keep our heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it come the issues of life. 
The Bible says, my son, give me thine heart. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart. The heart is the seat of our being. It's who we are. It's why we do what we do. Why our hands do what they do. Our feet go where they go. Why your mouth says what it says. Why your eyes look at what they look at. And your, th- your brain thinks on the things it does. It's all a reflection of our heart. But our service is also a reflection of our heart. You know, it's easy to get into the mechanics of serving God, isn't it? Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher and you've taught for years. And how easy it is to just say, you know what? I've taught on this subject before. I'm just going to go ahead and do what I've done before without putting much of our heart into it. Do you know it's the same way with being a church member too? You're thinking, well, it doesn't take much work to be a church member. Oh, yes, it does. You can come and you can just sit and you can just sing and go through the motions of serving God. But can I tell you, it's God's desire that we serve him out of our heart. God doesn't want to just serve us to serve mechanically. What's the difference? Well, one, you're just doing as an obligation to get it done. The other, you're doing it out of devotion and affection for the one that you're doing it for. I'm doing it because I love him. By the way, God deserves service from our heart. He doesn't deserve a service that's simply mechanical. He told them this in Exodus chapter 35. They were taking up an offering to build the tabernacle. What did he say? He says, receive an offering of all who have a willing heart. A willing heart. It begins there. Now, there's two truths right there in verse number 9 that really govern our heart. Notice, if you will, the Bible says, David said to Solomon, serve him with a what? A perfect heart. Heart. Now, this is interesting. Serve him with a perfect heart. What's the word perfect mean? We know this. We've heard it for years. It means complete and it means entire. That means as we serve God, we serve him where we are all in. Where, God, I am putting all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength in my service to you. Number one, because you're worthy of it. God is worthy of us serving him all in, holding nothing back, perfect, entire, and complete. But not only is he worthy, can I tell you tonight that God owns all of our heart. It's his anyway. God has every right to expect that what he owns to serve him fully, entirely, and completely. And yet, folks, can I ask you tonight, how guilty and how often do we hold back from God? We give our job, all of our time, our effort. We give our job, all of our heart, all of our mind. We give that. And what do we give God? We give God our leftovers. God, I will serve you if I get around to it. I'm not going to schedule it in. But if I find a free moment, I'll give you some time. No, God deserves all of it. Now, God knows, look, we have to work a job and raise children and build families. We have all these things that we have to do. But whatever we do for God, we should be all in with it. Why? Solomon says, uh, David tells Solomon, he says, serve him with a perfect heart. This is important, folks. He's admonishing him that God is worth his all. God is worth his all. Look, I'm not preaching to our young people. It's like lately, just remember, our young people have been on my heart. Our family's been on our heart. Really have. Our family's just been uh, burdened lately, thinking about all that's coming toward us in our world, making sure our families are prepared. Do you know, Mom and Dad, our kids need to know that God is worth our all. Our kids need to know that. And we can tell them, but I'm going to tell you, it sure does help if they see that. Our kids know when we're fudging. Our kids know when we fudge. 
Our kids know when we are half-heartedly going through the motions. Now look, some of them may look like it. I, I know I probably look that way too, but they're not dumb. They're not. We got some smart kids in this room, some sharp teenagers in this room. They are not oblivious when we are not putting our all in what we're doing. They watch us at work. They watch us with our hobbies. They watch us at home. And they can see when we're putting all of ourself and our effort and our mind and our might into it. And they can tell when we're just going through the motions at church. They can tell they're not dumb. And we're setting a pattern for them. I think it's interesting that David found it necessary to tell his son that he serves God with a perfect or with his whole heart. Now, here's what's interesting. What was, ver- what was the first point about? The first point was about getting close to God, all right? Getting to know God, getting close. The second point was about giving completely. Now, watch, watch, stick with me. The more you get close, the more you're willing to give completely. The closer you get to God, the more of yourself you're willing to give for him. I believe the reason we don't give more to God, I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about our time, our resources, ourself, our heart. The reason we don't give him more is because we're not as close as we should be. You get close to somebody, the closer you get to them, the more you're willing to do for them. Isn't that true? Uh, That's the fact. Look, you're not going to let a stranger borrow your weed eater. You probably won't let your pastor borrow you the weed eater, all right? Thank the Lord Brother Jim cuts my grass. I don't have to worry about that. But, man, you get to know Brother Travis over here. Brother Travis Clark's a nice guy. If you haven't met him, you ought to get to know him. He's a really nice guy. You're like, Brother Travis is a nice guy. I think I'll let him borrow my weed eater. But you got to get to know him first. And when you get to know him, you're willing to give more of yourself. You're willing to give more than you would of someone you didn't know as well. And that's the way it is with God. You get close, and then you what? You learn to give completely. Paul reiterated that back in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Paul says, I'm willing to let it all go and to count all of it as even dung, he would go on to say. Why? For Christ. This is someone he got close to, and he told the story over and over again. I was on the road to Damascus. This bright light shined down from heaven. The Lord spoke down. I spoke back. Man, he got close to God, and now he's willing to give completely. You see, he's serving with a perfect or a complete heart. Paul is showing, uh, showing us what it means to be all in. Now, here's the second part of verse 9 about the heart, of serving from the heart. This is interesting. They almost seem identical. Watch what he says. He says, serve him with a perfect heart. And then he goes on to say, with a willing mind. Now, does that sound like the same thing? It does to me. I mean, a perfect or complete heart and with a willing mind. That seems like it. But, oh, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will let a blind sow find an acorn every once in a while. And, boy, as I begin to pray and study over exactly what that meant, because he put that in there, it means something a little bit different than what he says with a perfect heart. A perfect heart is when, watch this, you're all in. Okay? A perfect heart, a complete heart, is when you're all in. A willing mind is when God is in all. God is in all. So what do you mean by that? Well, a perfect heart is when I put all of what I have into what God has allowed me to be a part of. Having a willing mind, watch this, willing means surrendered and open is when you allow God in all. God hears all of my heart. I'm going to let you in everywhere. 
every corner, every nook, every cranny, I'm going to let you in. And God, if there's something in there that doesn't need to be in there, God, I'm going to let you, as David would say, search my heart. And I want you to know it. I'm not holding any area back from you. This is not in our service. This is in our surrender. You see, that perfect or complete heart is when you're putting all in, and then that willing mind is where you're willing to let God have free reign of all of this. Okay, God, I'm going to let you in. Ooh, can I tell you, this is a tough one. Now, one of the greatest limitations in the life of a Christian occurs when we refuse to allow God all access, all access to our heart. We hold back. David says, son, when you lead these people, you be all in. But then be sure you let God in all. Now, folks, I want to tell you, you will live the rest of your Christian life working on those two things. That I'm going to be all in. God, I'm not going to hold back any of my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind, my might. I'm going to put it all in. And then God, on the flip side of that, I'm going to open up my heart and say, okay. Watch what he says in verse 9. He elaborates on exactly what he's saying. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. You see, God already knows. God already knows. Do you know why there's some areas of your heart that have been what they've been forever and you're unchanged? It's not that God doesn't know. It's almost like we're hiding it like God doesn't know. No, the Bible says he knows. The Bible says he searches all hearts and all the imaginations of the thoughts. God already knows it's there. Can I tell you what you're holding back? You're holding back God from working in that area of your heart. You're unwilling. People say, well, I just, you know, I just, uh, I, I don't like that. You know what, I, I just, I, I don't agree with that. And all, you know what, well, it's amazing. If you're not willing to let God work on it and let, willing to let God point it out, well, then don't be surprised if it's the same the rest of your life. You've got to be willing. What did he say? He says your whole mind. That means open it up to allow God to change anything in your mind, anything, that there's nothing in my heart, nothing in my mind that is off limits to God. And I want you to know we've got posted signs all over our hearts and minds. We've got areas where we're telling God, no, you can't go there. I refuse to change my mind on this, and I want you to know there's no way that we can serve God the way we should serve God with posted signs in our mind. No way. No way. God forbid, God forbid somebody come to me and say, I found in Scripture where pizza is unbiblical. Oh, we'd be in trouble. Why? Because I'd be like, whoa now, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, like, I haven't met a pizza I haven't liked. I really gravitated toward fat boys lately. I kind of enjoy their plain cheese. Man, it's good. And uh, you are what you eat, and I eat at fat boys. So I guess that is, uh, that's part of the problem. But man, if pizza was off limits, I have to be open to, okay, God, I'm open to it. It's somewhere, look, it's not in there. For some of you, you're going to leave here tonight thinking, he has preached heresy. No, it's not in there, okay? It's not in there. But what? I should at least have a willing mind. Remember Cain? Remember Cain? He had his own ideas about how he wanted to do things and how things should be. God comes along and God tries to show him. And oh, what compassion God showed Cain. I'm so thankful for that because I need compassion. And he tries to change Cain's mind 
about what he was doing because of where it was going to take him. You see, that's why it's important you let God change your mind because our mind is what chooses the direction. And, and God knew Cain didn't want to go in the direction he was about to go, so he was trying to change his mind. That's why you ought to be willing to let God change your mind. He says a willing mind. Cain refused to allow his mind to change. No, you're not going to change my mind on that. And therefore, Cain had to live with that area of his mind that he held off limits to God and would ruin his life. Wouldn't let his mind be changed. All right, now watch. Here's the main thing. Have an open or complete heart to God and then have a willing mind. That's number two. The main things that we're keeping, the main things. Number three, watch what he says. I mean, this is a grocery list. We're just going to go right down verse 9 and then let you go. I think the, the volleyball players have got some good food out there tonight, and we want to get to it, amen, before it gets cold. The Bible says, keep reading, after he says that God knows all the imaginations of all the hearts, and then he says, if thou seek him, if thou seek him, number three, he says, son, be sure you strive to seek him. Strive to seek him. You're like, well, this is kind of basic. Yeah, that's why they're main things. They're main things. Number one, we've got to get to know God. Number two, we've got to learn to serve from our heart. These are not up for negotiation. These are main things, okay? We can disagree about little things here and little things there, but when it comes to the main things, the main things are always going to be the main things, that we need to get to know God, we must serve from our heart, and then we must strive to seek him. Now, this is amazing to me that you're like, if you already know him, why do you have to seek him? Well, if you know anything about the Christian life, you find that just because you're here today doesn't mean you're here tomorrow. <laughs> we drift bad. Do you know gravity works spiritually too? Do you know what gravity does? Gravity pulls you downhill. And when you quit seeking him and you quit pursuing him, you stop. Watch this. Every moment you're not seeking God, you're drifting away from God. Okay? There is no pause. Hey, can I hold my spot right here? In the day, I forget where we were at. Uh, was it at school or something? I got in line with the kids for something, and I said, hey, can, can, I, can I cut in line? And they were so nice to let me cut in line. I appreciate kids being willing to let the pastor cut in line every once in a while. And I said, I'm going to hold this spot right here. And I'm sure if I got out of line, he probably would have let me back in. But it doesn't work that way with God. Once you get out of line... And you quit pursuing God, all of a sudden you're on a conveyor belt that's carrying you away from God until you start seeking Him again. Remember this great truth, great truth tonight, all right? Sin is not a destination, sin is a direction, all right? We think, watch this, we had this line on the carpet here I'm out of the will of God, I'm in the will of God, all right? Well, now that I'm out of the will of God, I might as well enjoy it for a little while. Is that not what the devil says? Once we get out of the will of God, all right, I'm just going to enjoy it for a little while, and then I'm going to jump right back into the will of God. What you don't realize is that once you cross the line from right to wrong, you started heading in that direction, and you're still heading in that direction until you decide you're going to seek him again. Some of you are like, uh-oh, man, I'm a long way from home. Here's the good news. Draw nigh into God, he'll draw nigh into you. You start making those steps toward God, God starts taking steps toward you, and I love what the preacher said years ago. I think it was a preacher you had come in at camp years ago. He said, God's steps are bigger than yours are. Aren't you glad? You take a, a Jeremiah Andrews step toward God, and God takes a God-sized step toward you. After a while, the distance has been closed. But where did it begin? It began with what he told his son here. 
if thou seek him, he will be found of thee. Solomon, you got to go after God. Go after God. Young people, listen to me. Get to know God. Serve from the heart. And then go after God. Why? Because you're going to drift. You ever, you ever get disappointed with yourself? I'll be honest, I do. I do. I have a great day on Sunday. Sunday nights are my favorite time of the week. Go home after a long day, uh, serving the Lord. It's just great. Sit there on the couch with my family. It's just an enjoyable time. And you're tired, but it's a good tired. Man, it was a good day. Good day in God's house. And boy, God speaks to me. Even while I'm preaching, man, God is speaking to me too. And then tomorrow morning, I'll wake up with the dogs, jump out of bed, grab my briefcase, fly out the door, sit down, get about my day, get about building the temple without remembering my verse number nine that I need to spend some time with God. And I'll sit there in my office disappointed with myself, disappointed. Folks, when we drift Away from God, we get to that place, we're disappointed. We are one decision to seek him away from getting back close again. But you have to do it. You have to say, I'm not where I need to be. Deuteronomy, the Bible says, to seek him with all of our heart. Deuteronomy chapter 4. We've got to be willing to seek him. Jeremiah 29, the Bible says, we'll seek him and we'll find him when we search with all of our heart. Strive to seek him. I put the word strive in there on purpose, not just seek him. I put strive in there because you got to strive at it. you got to work at it. Uh, I mean, you may take two steps forward today and three steps backwards. It doesn't matter. You get disappointed in yourself, get back up. That just man falleth and riseth up again. Get back up and seek him. I'm going after God. Why? Because i got to be close to God. Why? That's the main thing. All right? I can forget to eat lunch. Sometimes I do that. I can forget that one. That's, well, for me, it's not a main thing. For you, it may be a main thing, okay? I can forget that one. I didn't vacuum the car. I always try to vacuum our car out on Wednesdays because it's half price at Rainforest. There's you a tip for the week right there. Car wash is three bucks and free vacuum. So I try to go on Wednesdays. And it's just hard for me to go on Thursdays because I'm paying double the price. And so I said, I'm going to have to wait till next Wednesday to roll around. You know, I can forget about that one. That's not a main thing. But getting to know God is, serving God from the heart is, and then striving to seek him. That's the main thing. Being mindful of the main things. And then finally, I'll give you one more, and we're done. Amen? Verse 9, the Bible says that when we seek him, if thou seek him, he will be found of thee. What a blessing that is. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. I love how he ends on a grave note. That's a good parent, right? He ends on the grave note. Hey, look, mom and dad are going to go, uh, go, go to town. You stay here. Hey, you, uh, you be good. We're going to bring you something back and all this. But if I come home and find this house messed up, there's going to be trouble. You always end on that threat, right? That's what he's doing here. Watch what he says. He says, but if thou forsake him, he will be cast, he will cast thee off forever. Can I tell you what he's telling him? Number four, and this is it. I'm being mindful of these main things. Beware of going back. Beware of going back. Remember that gravity, it works. It works. He says, son, he says, don't forsake him. Don't turn your back on him. Don't go away from him. We know the story of Solomon. We know he would not heed this counsel. And we know what it would cost him. 
All throughout scripture, we see countless examples that are, by the way, for our admonition of what happened when God's people went back. You see, it's natural. It's natural. You know what? It's not natural for me to gravitate toward holiness. That's not natural. My flesh does not want to be holy. My mouth doesn't want to be holy. My thoughts don't want to be holy. I have to strive at that. And then all of a sudden, I decide, you know what? It's just too hard. I'm going to take it easy. And that gravity starts taking effect. And now I'm going backwards. He says, son, be careful. Why? Look at the consequences. He says in verse 9, he will cast thee off forever. What was the problem the children of Israel had? Do you remember? They kept wanting to go back. They kept wanting to go back. If you've been saved for any length of time, I think you'd agree with me, you still have an appetite for the things that are behind you. They're still there. Why? Because you still live in this. Now, maybe you've mortified the deeds of the flesh. Maybe you're walking in the spirit and you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but those are still there. And the temptations are still there. Can I tell you tonight, one of the main things you ought to adopt in your Christian life, not just on a daily basis, but the rest of your life, I'm going to beware of going back. The children of Israel will show you what looking in the rearview mirror will do too much. They kept looking back, man, Egypt, 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 and they went back. By the way, you also have to have the spiritual fortitude and you have to have the spiritual integrity to recognize when I'm not where I used to be. I've gone back a little bit. What was it Job said? Job says, I've not gone back from his word. This morning when he says, I esteem his words more than my necessary food, he says, I I haven't gone back. Job was afraid of going back. We would not have the happy ending in Job 42 if Job had drifted back. He was afraid of it. You as a child of God, listen, mom, dad, teenager, young person, be scared to death about going back. Because I've watched people go back and go back and go back and go back until they go right off the edge of the cliff. This is the main thing tonight. Be careful of going back. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32, the Bible says, The turning away of the simple shall slay them. Shall slay them. Solomon's giving some, getting some main things from his dad. They're very simple, but they're very important. And there's something we need to remember tonight. Number one, get to know God. If you're lost here tonight, can I tell you what you need to do? You need to get to know God personally. Not just stories you've heard from your teacher, your mom and dad. Hey, that's great. I'm thankful for a good heritage of godliness and faith in your family. Hey, that's great if you got it. But that's not going to cut it. If you're lost here tonight, the only thing that's going to make it when you stand before God is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's got to be personal. It's got to be one that you have chosen that I, look, I'm going to get to know him. And then if you're saved here tonight, don't be so arrogant to think that you know God good enough. Don't be so arrogant. If Paul, who met him and talked with him, and Paul, who saw so many wonders done in his own life, says that I may know him. I want to know him. And I want to get to know him. If Paul wanted to know him better, you and I most certainly need to know him better. And here's what's amazing. Once you get to know him better, then you're willing to serve him with your heart. You're willing. Man, you'll give him all of your heart and then you'll open up all of your mind. God, I'm going to give it to you because I know the one that I'm giving it to. Number three, seek to serve him, strive to serve him, and then beware of going back. Folks, these are some main things. Be careful running off and building the temple. Make sure you got the main things in place first. 
Tomorrow before you start your day and our kids head off to school, be sure we have the main things and keeping the main things the main things tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's amazing that our society tonight is called a progressive society when it seems like we're only going backwards. We're going backwards. And that's not just our culture. That's in the church. That's in Christian families and homes. And that's in the hearts of Christians. Could it be tonight that we don't have our main things kept as the main things? Do you need to get to know God tonight? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If you don't know him, we'd love to introduce you to him. But if you're saved tonight, can I ask you, how much of a burden is it to you that you get to know God? Not just the God of your fathers, but get to know him as your God personally. Maybe tonight we're serving mechanically. We're not serving from our heart. Maybe tonight we need to open up our heart and say, God, I'm going to be all in and I'm going to let you in all of my life. God, here's my heart. Maybe we need to quit holding back and remove the posted signs tonight. Maybe we need to strive to seek him. Maybe we've drifted a little, a little bit and we've got to get back after seeking him. The Bible says we'll find him. And when all else fails, be reminded of the warning that we don't want to go backwards. We don't want to go backwards. Father, I thank you for the great counsel that Lord David was giving his son through your leadership. Now, Father, I pray that as we look forward and desire to build our church, our families, our homes, even our own Christian lives and testimony, I pray, Father, tonight that we will stop and make sure we have the main things, the main things first. Lord, I pray that as we prepare for our invitation tonight, that whatever areas of our hearts or minds that you want to do some work on, that we'll take the post-it sign out, that, God, okay, I'm going to have a willing mind. I'm going to hold nothing back, and I'm going to put all in, Lord, as I seek to serve you. Help us, Father, fear going backwards in our walk with you, in the growth of our homes, the growth of our church. And, Father, I pray tonight that you've made your will known. Now, Lord, help us do it, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. As a pianist plays tonight, let's make sure our main things are the main things. I know we have jobs, responsibilities. I know that. Make sure the main things are the main things. make sure we have a personal personal relationship with Christ and salvation and that we spend personal time with him after we get saved get to know him son he's about to pass off the scene and he's giving him these parting words get to know God get to know God Think about how it all goes together tonight. Maybe we're serving mechanically because we skipped step one on getting to know God. Serving God will no longer be an obligation to you if you get to know Him. It'll be a privilege and a joy to serve the one who's not only worthy of having all of our heart, but He's one who bought and paid for it. It belongs to Him. We're just giving Him what is His.
Amen. Before we leave tonight, I want to close with verse 10. After he gave him those things that were the main things, he says, Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Go do it. Notice he didn't talk about the doing until he had the heart where it needed to be. Now, folks, we've got to take heed. The word of God can't just be something we hear. We need to take heed, take those four things tonight that God wanted David to tell Solomon, and we take heed because God wants us to know them too. And then we take it, and what we do? We just go do it. We're going to do what God's called us to do here at Central Baptist Church, but it begins with the hearts of the people that make up this church. And I pray you'll let God do what he wants in your heart tonight. All right? Brother Nate.